0: Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with the living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, I speak with Stéphane Alex, founder of the Research Institute of Extraordinary Experiences in France and author of When I Was Someone Else. Stefan spent two decades as an investigative journalist and war correspondent before turning his attention to exploring the science of consciousness. When I Was Someone Else tells the amazing true story of an investigation prompted by a waking dream Stefan had while on a spiritual retreat in Peru that would eventually reveal a past life connection with a German soldier. Stefan Alex is an investigative reporter and former war correspondent he directed and moderated the French TV series, Extraordinary Inquiries, and founded INRES, the Research Institute on Extraordinary Experiences. He is the author of several books, two of which have been translated into English, The Test, Incredible Proof of the Afterlife, and When I Was Someone Else, which is the topic of today's conversation. Uh, Stéphane, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be with you now.
0: Yes, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. And uh, first, I wanted to congrat- congratulate you on your book when I was someone else. Uh, I know it was originally published, I think, in 2017. Um, but yes. the, uh, the English translation just came out earlier this year. And I have to say it was a very enjoyable read. Um, Thank you. It's like a detective novel in many ways, and also like a war novel in some aspects. Mm. Um, And I don't know if there's a comparable French phrase, uh, but here we'd call it a real page turner.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, yeah. It's all true. I mean, it's not a novel. It's all
0: true. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And that's what makes it so fascinating um, Mm. is the uh, truth to it so i provided a bit of a biography on you um, but i thought i would ask you if you could provide some more background Uh, you've been on a very interesting life journey Uh, you began as a war correspondent and now you're doing something very different and i was wondering if you could share some of your story
1: yes of course with pleasure basically i'm a journalist since 33 something years And um, this period is divided in two parts. The first part from when I was 19 until 32, I was a journalist. I was uh, doing war journalism, investigating journalism. Uh, Basically, I start when I uh, went in Afghanistan in 1988, before the Soviet uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. And and I joined the Mujahideen and I entered secretly with the Mujahideen who was fighting the Russian at the time inside Afghanistan. And I spent months there. I was 19 at the time. And uh, I I absolutely wanted to become a journalist. I I really wanted to become a war photographer. So there is two options to do that. Either you go to school and you learn how to become a journalist or you just go on the field and you try to learn by yourself. Uh, I was very bad at school. So I decided to (laughs) immediately take a plane ticket and to find out the first war uh, nearby. And at the time it was Afghanistan. I also had a kind of uh, family link with Afghanistan because my father used to travel there in the 50s as a geographer uh, and and as an explorer. So I had also kind of, uh, yes, this kind of link. So it, it was for me very easy to... To, to decide to, to go there. And this trip was um, one of the most important trip of my life because I, I spent months uh, in the countryside with fighter who was fighting the Russian. And uh, I shared their food, I shared their life. Uh, it was very, very tough. Um, And uh, I came back from Afghanistan, I was uh, very different because I did experience war uh, at a very young age. I mean, many, many young American soldiers uh, have those experience, Um, but I was not a soldier. I was just unprepared, totally unprepared, untrained. Um, But it also put the seed of journalism inside me. Uh, And from this moment, I really, dedicate my entire life and time to try to learn this this job to learn this uh, this uh, how to do photography how to do war uh, correspondence uh, uh, war journalism so I I came back in France and I went back to other country and I and I tried to to make a living out of that it was difficult I had I was obliged to have a, a side job like a bookseller like a I even sold fish in a, a fish shop. I mean, I, I did a lot of job like that in order to be able to fly again away and to 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 do journalism. And step by step, I learn, and step by step, I was able to to live, I mean to to make a living from that. and um, um, I, I, uh, I i I published my first book, I think it was in uh, uh, 23 years ago, it was a book about drug trafficking because I I became specialized on Asia and most especially on Central Asia, which is Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Iran, and the Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, all, all this area. So this area also became the first producer of uh, opium uh, from which you make heroin. So I became specialized of, on drug trafficking uh, because of, of uh, one of uh, your uh, American fellow journalists uh, by the name of Larry Collins, mm-hmm. uh, Larry is uh, I mean he's dead now, but uh, he was a very famous journalist. He is the one who, who wrote uh, Paris Burning, mm-hmm. uh, Old Jerusalem. He was mixing uh, novel journal- novel writing to uh, big investigation, and. Um, he was living partly in France and at, at this time, it was yeah, 25 years ago, a friend journalist of mine told me that Larry Collins was looking for someone who go for him in Afghanistan in the poppy field. And I didn't know anything about the subject, but I said, oh, that, that could be good. And I meet Larry Collins and uh, he just said to me, okay, if you want to go, uh, I give you some money and you, you, you do this research for me. He just wanted to have some background information. And I came to work for him Couple of months, and uh, uh, it helps me to become familiar with this topic. So, uh, after a couple of years, I published my first book, and my first book was the the the, 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 the story of my journey from a poppy field in Afghanistan through Central Asia, Caucasus, Eastern Europe, and then Europe, and to explain how drugs spread all over the world. And um, and then. I mean, it's not to be long, but to make a long story short, uh, I really I really was in love with Afghanistan. Afghanistan is so, I mean, it's today, especially in those days, in a very, very uh, strange situation, but it's also a lovely country with a lot of lovely person there and um, a lot of history. So in 2000, I decided to to launch a big um mission to investigate and to work on archaeological uh, site of Afghanistan. Uh, It was during the Taliban regime at the time. The Taliban ruled Afghanistan the first time from 1986 to to 2001. And in 2000, they were in uh, in command in Kabul. Uh, But I was familiar with some of their leaders, so I decided to fly there and to ask their authorization. And they allowed me to stay there, to stay in Afghanistan not to do politics, but to go to see the the archeological site. What I didn't know was that at the same time, some people in the movement, the hard uh, ring uh, uh, branch of the movement uh, had taken decision to blow away the Buddha of Bamiyam. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there was in Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. two giant Buddha statue and the Taliban destroyed them in 2001, six months before 9-11.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my heart. And I was there. When I saw that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was in Kabul at the time, and I mean, it was uh, it was crazy. And I mean, I, I, I mentioned that because a couple of weeks after my brother died there in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, uh, I was working with my brother. I, I was having a, I was directing a, a mission from the Explorer Society, French Explorer Society, and my brother and some other people were working for me there in in Kabul. And one day going south of Kabul to an archaeological site, we had a very stupid accident. And one of the car uh, uh, went out of the road and all the four people in the car died. Uh, two of them were French, two other were Afghan. And among the French, they were my brother. So this was also a key moment of my life, as you can imagine, because uh, suddenly everything stopped. Suddenly. Uh, Death uh, came into my life uh, with all the questions you may have about that, the trauma, the, the emotion. And I fly back the body of my brother to France and uh, and something changed from this moment. You know when you are young, you may have a lot of existential question. what, what do we do? on earth? I mean what's the purpose of life? And uh, this is kind of, this, this, those are kind of romantic question, then when we go into life when you start to, when we, you start to work, you, you just forget those questions. But suddenly in front of my dead brother, all those questions came back. Okay I mean if, if life can stop that quick, uh, what's the purpose? Is there a reality to the spiritual realm? I mean is, 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 this is just a belief or is can, can it be proven? So, Slowly, after the death of my brother, I decided to, to switch and to still be a journalist because I only know to do that, asking questions. But instead of working on politics, I decided to work on science and consciousness science. And, and for the last 15 years, I'm working on that now, trying to explore not the outer world, but the inner world of unconsciousness. It's a very long uh, answer for a short question. I'll try to make it shorter.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's OK. It's, uh, you've got a fascinating uh, story, like I said. And um, I was very interested in how you made that transition from a war correspondent to someone that seems to be on a spiritual kind of quest um, and looking at these bigger questions.
1: The, the spiritual quest came as a kind of um, uh, side effect. It's the proper mm. word from my investigation because when I start to question physicists or scientific uh, researcher about consciousness, it was not a spiritual questioning. It was more a journalist questioning: What do we know about the brain? What mm. do we know about the relation between brain and consciousness? Is there a direct link? Do we have a proof that when brains stop functioning, consciousness also stops? Is it proven or not? I mean, what do we know about death? So I was really not willing to ask a priest or a rabbin or a monk. I wanted to ask a scientist. And doing my investigation on science, asking science to answer that question, I realized that uh, the so-called certainty we live in meaning, okay, there is an obvious link between the brain activity and consciousness. And then uh, when brain stops functioning and brain is dead, there is no more consciousness. This is a belief. Mm -hmm. This is a materialistic belief. This is not a proven uh, fact. So it it was really mind-blowing for me because I thought we live in a clever world. And if um, things are not proven, we don't believe in it like that. And I was realizing that it was the case. We are just kind of uh, unbended in a materialistic worldview that we take for granted, but which is not based on scientific uh, demonstration. So it was really mind blowing because suddenly it became possible for me to, to wonder uh, where my brother could be. Maybe he's somewhere. Maybe he's not dead. I mean, his body's dead his body is not there anymore, but maybe a part of him is still somewhere. I mean, nobody has proven me that it's not the case. So maybe I should prove that it's the case. And it's just a fascinating topic for a journalist. And the, the spiritual part came really long after that through my inner experience. But uh, at first it was really a journalist investigation.
0: Yeah. Very good. It's, um, I, I know that there are organizations, there's a similar organization in California to um, uh, the one that you founded uh, in Reese. I think it's the, I always forget the title. It's the, uh, the Noetic, Noetic Institute. Institute. Yeah, yeah, Noetic yeah. Institute. Um, and isn't, um, uh, wasn't that Edgar Mitchell? Um, uh, the, that you said you told me before uh, we began recording you were uh, you met him I think he was uh, responsible uh, or connected to the he, founded, Institute. Institute uh, yeah, yeah. the astronaut
1: Edgar Mitchell founded the noise right. Institute and he, he, he had the same uh, I, I had the chance of meeting him a couple of times and he, he, he had the same kind of accident that I have I mean my accident was the death of my brother his accident was back coming back from the moon uh, after months of months of preparation and very high tension, suddenly all the tension was just uh, uh, calming down and he was just waiting to go back to, to on earth and he was looking out the, of the window and he was looking at the sun and the moon and the, the, um, the Apollo uh, capsule was rotating. So he was having this, uh, this uh, kind of dance of sun and moon and earth all the time. And uh, he had, during the, tr- the return trip, he had a kind of, uh, what what he, what he understood was a spiritual experience. He suddenly he became one with the cosmos. I mean, it, for, for this guy from Texas uh, with a physicist uh, or physician, uh, no, physicist uh, background, he, he was not prepared to that. So he, he, he wanted to understand if science had something to say about this feeling of... Uh, being connected with all the universe, mm-hmm. so he went to be interested in quantum physics and some other field, and he, he decided to create the Noistig Institute, which which still exists today and do a lot of great research. Mm-hmm. One of the research uh, main researcher there is Dean Reading, which is a friend of mine, and Dean is doing a, an amazing work on on, a, on a psi effect, on on uh, um, extrasensory perception. I mean, all those perceptions that prove that we are more than just a, 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 a piece of flesh and, and bones. We are uh, there is something inside us that goes beyond space and time. That can go beyond space and time. Call it soul, spirit. I mean, give a name. It's it's not the purpose. the The, the fact is that we can prove scientifically that there is something inside us. That is not uh, uh, in, um, totally hundred uh, uh, percent dependent from from or activity of the body, and who may survive that. That's mind blowing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and oh. yes. When, when I, um, uh, I, I I had the chance of meeting several people at uh, Knight Institute and, and many great researcher you have in in the US. I mean, there is so many great person in the US who are working on consciousness, starting in the 70s, 60s uh, on near-death experience and some other experience with Psychedelic also. There is a lot of explorer, wonderful explorer. So I really really, uh, receive a lot of inspiration from the work that have been done in California, but also in other places of the US. And I had the chance of meeting one of, I mean, most of the major researchers in the US. Some of them are friends today. And um, even though I'm not speaking very good English, I, mean, I have a kind of Pakistani accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I wanted to create something like that in France because uh, it was missing. I mean, we, mm. we, we don't have in France a, a big research institute. And also as a journalist, we don't have a place where we can find proper information on, uh, on um, this kind of science um, so i decided to create inres in, in 2007 and the first objective was to bring together all mental health professional who was interested in extraordinary experience you know like near death experience or like uh, alien abduction i mean all those things that are happening in our life that are not supposed to happen but they happen <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh you have two options when when someone is telling you a, such a story either oh he's crazy i don't want to hear about that or uh, okay i'm listening and maybe he's full maybe maybe he's uh, maybe maybe something really happened to him and i need to build up some kind of tool to to work with it to 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 listen to it and uh, so, I decided to, to, to create such an institute in France, and, and it was very successful because um, thousands of people came. And, and, uh, and today we have a, a TV channel, uh, a magazine. For, unfortunately, it's only in French, um, mm. but um, uh, it was needed. It was needed.
0: It's, um, and I agree with you on that. I, I, I always say that I think that consciousness studies are going to be the next scientific revolution. So I think that the work you're doing and the work that they're doing at the Noetic Institute is so vital and important to understanding uh, what it means to be human and what it means to be alive and the nature of reality.
1: Mm. Um, but there, there is something that I still don't understand. It's, uh, you know, we live in a tr- strange world Mm-hmm. Where um, we give a lot of money and we pay a lot of attention to stupid things. And for people who do major research, there is hardly, they hardly get funded. I, I have a, a friend of mine uh, in Arizona, in Tucson. Uh, her name is Julie Bichel. She's doing research on mediumship. Mm-hmm. She's one of the women who do the best research on earth about mediumship uh she she had a lot of difficulty to, to find funding to do her research but her work is priceless because she she bring a lot of evidence that people are able to talk to uh, a dead person i mean she do an amazing and scientific research on that so uh, i advise to the people who are listening or discussion now if they are interested in mediumship to to visit the website of uh, Julie. Uh, it's Whitbridge Institute. She's doing an amazing work and she needs support. And um, um, I mean, I'm sorry to, 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 oh, no. to say that, but it's, 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 really, really worse to, to, to support because uh, I mean, she's the one who bring the more uh, strong evidence of life after death. And uh, I mean, This is a great subject. It's worth to investigate. Well,
0: yeah, and it's something that is relevant to each and every one of us. And I'll I'll, I'll share this. Uh, I was raised mostly with my grandparents. And my grandfather died relatively unexpectedly when I was 16. Mm. And he had been rushed to the hospital, and then they had to fly him Uh, to another hospital in another city. And uh, the, you know, the ambulance came to take him away. It was like three 30 in the morning. And I was left home alone and at about probably about six in the morning or so, I decided I'm just going to go back, try to get a little bit more sleep because I didn't know at that point what was going on. And I had a dream of uh, I was standing in the backyard when I was a little kid I would stand in a very certain spot in the backyard waiting for my grandfather to come home and in this dream I was standing in the spot that I would normally stand in when I was a little kid and I saw my grandfather walk up to he had this uh, red Ford pickup truck and he walked up to this truck in this dream and he stopped and he looked at me and he waved And then he got in the truck and drove off. And according to my calculations, that would have been right about the time that he died. And no one can ever tell me that that wasn't my grandfather coming to say goodbye. Um, And that I was just in the right state of consciousness to have that experience, to have that happen. So I've always, you know, believed ever since that moment that there was something else. So yeah, thank um, you to, to share sure, that
1: because sure. it's, uh, I mean, I heard so many st- such a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not rare. I mean, it's, it's right. very common, but we thank you for you to share it now because um, it, it's important for, for everyone to, to share this. This is normal. Mm -hmm. And it can be so helpful and so important to share that during the grieving process, Mm -hmm. because it's uh, it opens a door. It opens, uh, it opens something very important. It's, it's reality. And no one can tell you it's just a dream or uh, no one except you, what you felt. And, um, and it's so important to, yeah, to, to, to see those, those experience as, they can be probably uh, an evidence that uh, yeah your grandfather would just say oh i have to go
0: yeah well and and dreams are really interesting i think they are a source of information and this is going to get us into your book a little bit um <laughs> because the story begins uh, you are on uh, a retreat in peru and you had what you call a waking dream. I was wondering if you could explain uh,
1: what this was. Mm-hmm. It was uh, during a very special time of my life. I had uh, decided to to withdraw from different responsibility uh, in France to, to come back to my um, personal work on my own consciousness investigation because I was too much... Uh, uh, Okay. I mean, too much uh, in a frantic time uh, in between different activities. So I I, I used to do some retreats time to times in Peru, uh, in a shamanic retreat, which means I am isolated in the forest. Someone brings me food uh, twice a day, and very, very special food, uh, no salt, no sugar, no no animals. And I am on, on, on a kind of diet. Uh, uh, where I, I used to eat every day uh, one plant uh, or two plant what the shaman call a master plant it's not a psychedelic plant it's a kind of plant uh, that may have a, i mean the shaman says this plant have a spirit that teach you this is the base of shamanic retreating in amazonian shamanism so i was there in my in my little uh, uh, caban i mean little house in the forest and uh, During one day, I was there since maybe a little bit more than one week. I decided to 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 take the plant again, which is not psychoactive, and uh, to to have a hair set and to play a a dream sound like boom 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 drum, sorry drum boom 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 boom, to help me to do a shamanic journey. Uh, So I put the hair set on my hair. I lay down on my couch and I eat the plant and I close my eyes and I basically let my my imagination go away. And uh, I was not sleeping. Basically, it's it's what you do on, on during hypnosis or during a therapeutic session or rebirth or uh, um, conscious uh, dreaming, you, you just, or psychoanalysts, you just let your mind uh, speak. So my mind, start uh, imagining that I was a bird I was flying. So I, I still have my eyes closed. And I saw myself flying above the forest. And um, I mean, it's it's a long vision, but the, the key point came where uh, uh, as I was flying the forest, I suddenly little dot black dot from above. And at first I thought, Oh, maybe it's Indian uh, from Amazonia. Uh, so I, I wanted to come closer. So I fly down. And as I fly down, I realized it was not Indianic, I was not in the Amazonia anymore. I was in a very white landscape. And the white, the black dots was men, they were soldiers, they were soldiers from a German army, they were SS, and they were fighting during World War Two. And I was very surprised because usually when your imagination uh, is creating things, you are kind of expecting what's coming up. Uh, you you know where your imagination goes, and you are uh, always uh, uh, kind of anticipating what's coming next. In this case, uh, I was totally surprised to, to realize and to be in this scene. I mean, I was in the Amazonian forest. I had not why I was imagining this scene of war, but uh, I decided not to judge the, what I was seeing. I decided just to observe, to see what was happening. And among the soldiers, I saw this man in front of me. He was very close, he was maybe one meter from me. And I instantly knew his name was Alexander. And I instantly knew his rank in the military was Oberstund which is in the, in the German SS, the equivalent of lieutenant. And I saw this guy in front of me, was staring at me, and immediately he received a, a piece of shrapnel here, hitting him on the neck. And the blood came out and he fall down and he died. And I was in shock because there was a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. Uh, even though I didn't, I was not thinking this is my imagination or what. I mean, I was shocked by the emotion and the intensity of the scene. And uh Suddenly, the scene started again. He was again standing back. Uh, he was again staring at me, receiving the shrapnel, falling down. I was in both situation. I was, at the same time, a kind of observer. Uh, he was in front of me. On the same time, I was him. I was his body lying on the, on the ground, on the white ground. And uh, I was so shocked by the precision of the vision by the intensity of the emotion that I thought, what is his name? What is his name? And immediately I saw, I remember in the in the left part of my vision, I mean, I don't know if it makes sense, but it was on the left part of my vision, I saw a kind of ID, uh, identity card with the name written on it, um, Hermann. So I knew his name was Alexander Hermann, and he was Obersturmführer. And I had a some other vision, but the the war scene, the war scene of his death was the most important and intense uh, scene of that vision. Um, I saw another time a little girl with him. I didn't know if it was his daughter or what. I saw another man. Um, And basically the vision, I, I, I could have stopped everything, just standing up, opened my eyes and it was over, but I decided to let it go, let it go. But after thirty minutes, the, the the track of the drumming stopped. So uh, it, I, I came back in some way, and I opened my eyes, and I wow, I was in a state of awe. Oh, uh, so I decided to write very precisely all the detail I, I had collected, and um, a little part of me thought at this time, uh, could it be a real person? But I mean, it was too weird for me to even think of that. I was just feeling that okay, I am in a special time of my life. Uh, uh, I want to work on myself. Uh, I came especially in Peru to do that. Uh, I'm doing a kind of strange shamanic psychoanalyst experience. So maybe it's my unconscious that brings me just material to work on my relation with violence, my fascination for war that makes me becoming war correspondent, this violence inside me. Maybe it's a kind of a scenario that is brought by my unconscious for me to work on it. Really, you know, as a journalist, I always choose the more obvious explanation in between two. So the most obvious explanation was this psychoanalyst explanation for me. So I, I I stayed in Peru for uh, some times, uh, and I didn't have access to internet. But when I came back in France, a couple of weeks after, I okay, I googled the name. I mean, you would have do, do that. Everyone have would have done that. So I googled the name Alexander Hermann or Bastien and I was not very surprised to find one. Uh, I, I I didn't know. I don't remember a whole, but I came across a kind of list of. Uh, which looks like Alex, um, SS officer. It, it was written in Polish. And uh, uh, there was a lot of list of names. And, and in those lists, I find one Alexander Herman For me, it was a chance. Like, if now I ask you to invent a German name uh, with a rank, maybe we will probably find one in the list. I mean, there is so many lists, so many names. So it was curious, but uh, I just put that story aside and I went back to my daily life without paying more attention to what did happen in Peru, I mean, in in, in that respect. And um, one year passed, more than one year passed. Uh, And during that year, time to times when I was receiving a healing or when I did um, a work with a friend of mine who is doing astrology, Time to times, this German soldier came back uh, during a healing, for instance, as I was lying on the ground, I, I had again the same vision. And the funny thing is that the healer, uh, without talking to me, had also the same vision of seeing me standing in the war zone. So it was kind of weird, but nothing too important to, to drive me to start an investigation, because for me, it was just a chance that a real Alexander Aman did exist. But for some reason, more than one year after that, I decided to, to start again an investigation. I start again to Google the name and uh, I don't, again, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but as I was Googling the name, I find the same list, I find the same website and I was very, very careful because, uh, I mean, when you start Googling things related to Nazi regime, I mean, you you may find very not nice website. I mean, you see what I mean. Uh, so I was very careful about where I was searching. And, and finally, I, s- I find a name of someone in France who seems to be an historian, uh, who was specialist of German army, and I decided to call him. So I call him, I found his phone number, I call him and by chance, he knew my name, because as I, t- as you told, I was also a TV producer. So I, I, I appears on, on television. So he knew my work, and, and when I told him I was in, in Peru last year and I had a daydream where uh, this scene appears to me and his name, uh, everyone would have just hung up the phone. But uh, since he knew me and he knew I was a search journalist, he was curious. And he, his first advice was to, to say, but did you search a military file from this guy? And I didn't know that there were um, military files available for just a lieutenant, Maybe a general or some someone famous, you may find information. But for a lieutenant, uh, I was not. I was not. Uh, I, I didn't know that. So it told me yes. I mean, the DSS and the Nazi, they were uh, they they were having a lot of fight for everything. So those archive are um, um, in Berlin, but there is also a copy in Washington. Uh, and if you if you want, I can put you in touch with a French historian who is doing research today in Washington. So. I took the email, I wrote to this guy. And after a couple of hours, the, the French uh, researcher answered to me and said, yes, I find a, <coughs> a, a file, but maybe 80 page uh, for this Alexander Aman of ashton So I was very, very curious and very impatient, impatient to, 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 to discover this file. And uh, it takes him a couple of days to make a copy and he sent me the file one one morning i receive and i download all this page and uh, i don't speak german so for me it was very complicated to understand every single sentence uh, i didn't know what to search I, I didn't know what to what to look for uh, so i start to google translate some page and i understood that This guy was born in this city, in the east of Germany, and he entered the SS. And I mean, I hardly, hardly understood what I was having in front of me. But I also sent the the file to this historian who who did help me. And very late that night, he sent me an email uh, telling me I translate the basic information of this file. So I share it with you. This Alexander Ehrman served in the Totenkopf Division, which was a a military uh, division from the SS. And he went in France during the French invasion. He went also in in Czechoslovakia, in Poland, and he he participated in the Russian invasion uh, from the German army in 1941. And he died there in October 41, uh, in the little village, give me a few details, from a wound on the neck. When I read that, I mean, it was like a truck just drove uh, in, uh, on me. I was really in shock because suddenly, I mean, suddenly it was not possible anymore that it was just by chance that I had found this name. The name, the surname, the rank in the SS, okay, it could be a chance, but the cause of death. So I immediately opened the, the file. I, I immediately try to find the, the, the page it was mentioning, it was a death certificate. So I found out the death certificate, and I read it, I, I copied the, the, the sentence in German, in Google Translate, and it was saying that this, the real Alexander Hermann, the real Oberstundführer Alexander Hermann died from a wound on the neck. And uh, I mean, this was mind blowing. <laughs> because, uh, wow, I mean, it, it was not coming up from my, from my imagination. It's not possible. I mean, that coincidence, it's not possible anymore. It's uh, this guy really exists. Uh, how, how can I explain that I saw what happened to this man? And, um, and from this very moment, I decided to start an investigation and to do everything that I could to understand the link I had with this man and why I had this experience. Uh, what was the relation with me? And I mean, it was the entire story stopped there.
0: Incredibly fascinating. And I have so many questions. Uh, but uh, one uh, that I wanted to ask pretty quickly, though, was that this initial vision or waking dream came to you when you were listening to uh, shamanic drumming did you ever try to go back into uh, or recapture this waking dream? Uh, you said once, I think you were working with a healer where you experienced it again, but did you ever intentionally try to capture it again?
1: No, no, because I don't trust myself. Oh, okay, I don't trust my subjectivity mm-hmm. and I, um, I'm working with a lot of psychotherapists and people who do hypnosis, for instance, or other altered state of consciousness. And I know that um, trying to investigate, um, for example, memory uh, is a very, very tricky exercise because um, for example, under hypnosis, uh, you are not accessing um, untouched file inside your brain. Your brain is not a computer. Uh, as soon as you start to recover memory from the past, you are also taking the risk of building this memory or rebuilding a, a memory. You don't know what is real, what is half real, what is just a reconstruction, what is a kind of a, a projection from your unconscious to, you, you don't know, you don't know. So at this moment, I didn't trust myself enough to be able to have a clear uh, distinction in between what I would produce from my own imagination that I would access from, uh, um, I mean, from, from another reality. So I only wanted to rely on a rational uh, tool, uh, archive. Uh, um, I mean, I, I had this military file to start with, Uh, Soon after, I realized that there was another file available, which was the file from his wedding, because when you were in the SS, and if you wanted to get married, you needed to have an investigation done on you to prove that you were racially pure for three or four generations. So it was a huge investigation file where I find a picture of him. and then I, I also knew that I needed to go to Germany to find out uh, maybe family, maybe this little girl. Who is she? Is is his daughter? Is she living somewhere? Um, I mean, if uh, the name, the surname, the rank, the cause of death are real, maybe the other part of my vision, which this this little girl, this other man, maybe they are real also. So I had a lot of. Uh, um, Uh, direction to start investigation and um, at at that stage uh, i really wanted to be very careful and to avoid to add uh, more difficulty in in having unsure uh, information that would come from a a, a sources that i cannot uh, uh, be sure of i mean i don't know if you understand what i mean (laughs) oh
0: i do Um, One of the things that I really appreciated about the book was that there were times as you go into this investigation and you're exploring and going to Germany and you end up, you know, visiting Russia and whatnot, that you have, there are a lot of synchronicities that happen uh, and intuitions And what I really appreciated was that with the intuitions, you always verified. It wasn't just, oh, I just feel like this happened. Uh, But it was, oh, I have this reaction and let's investigate this and see what I can demonstrate out of it. And I felt that that was really important um, and gives a legitimacy to the story that you're telling.
1: But you know, for me, intuition—it's uh, also what we call sixth sense. Mm-hmm. It's a reality. It's not magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so y- you need to—you need to understand how it works. Uh, it's a human capacity. But as all human capacity, you need to train. You need to verify. You need to become familiar with it. If you want to play the piano, you need years to to be able to play nice uh, sonate of Chopin, it doesn't come like that. It's the same with intuition. So to play the piano, you need to practice, you need to make a mistake, you need to understand how it works and, and, and to become more and more uh, familiar with your finger and everything. For intuition, it's the same. You you may have an inch once, but uh, what what does it make in your body? Uh, what... what does this inch mix in your uh, stomach or in your brain? uh, Was it an emotion associated with it? Was it uh, a feeling? Was it a thought? I mean, you need to understand how this intuition arose inside you to dissociate it from uh, your fear, your expectation, your desire, your normal human production. Uh, It takes time, it takes time. And the best way to Practice and to become familiar is to test you, to test you every time. I mean, as much as you can. So, um, um, I mean, I, I'm totally open to the possibility and to the reality of this intuition. It doesn't mean that I believe in everything that comes in my mind. I need to check everything, like, uh, I mean, uh, like all subjective feeling you may have. You may be, you may fall in love with someone walking in the, in the street like that, but. Uh, is it love, or is it just desire, or is it just uh, sexual uh, uh, assurance Or uh, uh, I mean, you need to know yourself to know why things are uh, emerging from deep inside of you. You know, you need to know yourself. And uh, and I, I'm 53, but I still don't know myself fully. And uh, and to, to test uh, intuition, it's the best way to 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 make them happen more and more and to learn how to trust them more and more.
0: At what point did you start thinking that this connection that you had with Alexander might have something to do with reincarnation? And I also wanted to ask you about the way that you seem to think about reincarnation in the book because it doesn't seem that you're saying oh well there was this person alexander who is this complete maybe entity or something and then all of a sudden there's stefan you know and it's the same person just wearing different clothes as it were but it seems that you're you argue that there's something Else, that maybe that you're both part of something bigger
1: yes but at first i wanted to understand the link i had with this guy why i had this vision in in peru um why i i had this hypothesis of reincarnation coming quickly it's because um suddenly i realized how uh a life of such men could resonate with my life today. Um, I don't share any of the belief of the Nazi. Uh, I want to make clear of that. I mean, it's clear in the book, but I want to make clear now, as we discuss. For me, it's this it's absolutely disgusting, disgusting regime. It's it's I mean, it's just the most awful regime we may have on Earth since uh, millions of years. uh, what it did. Uh, I mean, I mean yeah, so I didn't feel um, comfortable with it. But um, I realized that I always been obsessed with uh, violence and war. Uh, even when I was young, uh, teenager, when I was 17, 18, I wanted to become war correspondent very quickly. I mean, why? I mean, why this this desire of going on the front line. And what I wanted to experience was the, the fear of the fighting. I wanted to be there. I wanted to see the people there. I wanted to see how they can do that. I wanted to see in their eyes. And beside of war, I also wanted to understand the evil. evil. I wanted to understand why people could do that. It was not for me a philosophical question. I wanted to, um, you know, when I I started to to think of becoming war correspondent, I was just fascinated by Vietnam War and all this generation of photographer who who worked there uh, from 65, 67 to to the end of the war, 75. And after that, uh, there was this war in Cambodia. And uh, with the Khmer Rouge who was one of the craziest regime in the world also. And the leader of the Khmer Rouge was called Pol Pot. And at the time, he was still alive. He was still hiding somewhere in Cambodia. And one of my ideas was to go there to try to meet him because I was not fascinated by him. I I did not admire this person, but I wanted to see such a man in his eyes. Like, if I would have wanted to see Hitler in the eyes, how can you do such a things as a human beings? I mean, how a normal baby, uh, when he grows up, became such a monster? This was a, 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 an obsession when I was young. So, suddenly, when I had this experience with Alexander Hermann, um, everything came back in my mind. And um, I make my entire life today as a Stefan Alex uh, uh, to investigate the question of violence, of evil, of meaning of life. Um, Like um, it could have been it could have been the question that Alexander was confronted to, but he didn't have time or he didn't have the opportunity or the consciousness to investigate during his life. Uh, I mean, this is my interpretation today, but, uh, um, you know, I, I didn't meet in the Amazon forest uh, a Danish princess or, uh, or, uh, or a Filipino uh, fisherman, uh, which I didn't have anything to resonate with. I met someone who immediately resonated with my entire life today as Stefan. So there was a kind of familiarity, there was a kind of proximity with, with this man. Um, and today also, I, I see it this way, my life as a journalist today uh, was made, and especially at the beginning, like uh, like if I wanted to, um, to do the exact opposite, uh, Alexander did. Uh, he stopped thinking by himself very quickly when he joined the Hitler Union. Uh, he stopped thinking definitely by himself when he entered the SS very young. He became just part of a regime, a part of an uh, ideological army. Uh, he was not anymore by himself. He was just like a hunt, like a hunt among thousands of other ants of the devil. Uh, I, myself, I was bad at school because I was, uh, I was, I I hate that people were explaining what I should think of. So I quit school very quickly. I all wanted to think by myself. I all wanted to do by myself. I never went to university. I, I all learned by myself. Um, And as a journalist, when I wanted to go to war and when I went to war in Afghanistan, uh, when I was 19, I, I didn't want it to fight myself. I didn't want it to hold the gun. Uh, the Mujahideen give me a Kalashnikov just to take a picture and to, to, to be the, 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 the guy with the Kalash. But uh, I, I didn't want it to kill anyone. Um, I didn't want it to participate in that. I wanted to be a side and to witness and to understand. Um, so yeah, very, very naturally the, the question of uh, the question could Alexander be my past life, became one of the major uh, line of investigation that I follow. Um, And to come to your second question, um, I didn't want to do a a formal investigation. What do we know about reincarnation in the text? I wanted to see what what was happening in my body. I had this obvious link with Alexander. the w- weeks after weeks of my investigation, it became more and more obvious that it could be considered as my previous life. Uh, but I am me. I am not Alexander. Um, he, was, he was a guy, and I am another guy. So how, wh- what's the link between us? How come a soul uh, jumped from him to, to me? I mean, we are so different. How, how, how we could explain that. Um, so I, I cannot go in, into detail, because I, it's still even today in process. But uh, I think we have a very, very narrow view of what could be reincarnation. And during this, 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 this time, uh, I don't remember if I put it in the book, but I remember a, a, a phrase that was given to me by a, a Tibetan monk a year before. This Tibetan monk, uh, he was a Rinpoche, he he explained to me the reincarnation. And he told me, you know, reincarnation is not a redo, a re you. Um, When you're reborn, you are not you again. When you're reborn, you are someone else. You are another person, another human being, another brain, another flesh, another face, another sex, maybe. Uh, You are not anymore the individual, the individuality. The individual individuality—it's um, what disappears with death. The personality disappears with death. Um, maybe it can uh, left some emotions, some uh, some biographical biographical element. I don't know what's left. I mean, I just leave it to to philosopher this this question. Uh, there is obviously a kind of link um uh, uh the the buddhists call it uh consciousness continuum mm. but they don't define conti- consciousness the buddhist they, they they don't say this is something they don't believe in soul for instance the buddhist so i don't know what it is i don't know i don't know what what is you know uh, this is my my own little inter- interpretation today but i i believe we are a uh, I believe what's common in between me and, and Alexander is uh, what we call the, the, let's call it soul. Mm-hmm. But soul is not Stefan. Soul is not uh, Alexander. Soul is uh, uh, pure love, pure energy, pure light, pure something. And for some reason that I don't know, or that, that, that are just beyond my understanding, sometimes soul project itself. On Earth, on this planet, and the and it creates a little being of flesh and bones. and this being is born from a womb, and by the name of Stefan, and uh, and the Stefan has uh, his entire life, and then he will die, uh, and then the 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 link between the soul and Stefan kind of fade away, disappear, but then the soul. Uh, send another light on, 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 on in time and space and create another man. Um, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused maybe, and, and, and I'm not very clear. I'm sorry for the people who are listening, but uh, I, I try myself to understand also what, what could it be. And it takes me 400 pages to try to to figure out uh, what, what was the link and how I could explain reincarnation uh, through my own experience
0: yeah and i don't think that uh you should feel the responsibility of having to try to explain thank you (laughs) (laughs) Um, and And i would uh, advise
1: you to be very very careful and to yeah to be careful with people who who brings you all the answer (laughs) yes
0: yes um yeah uh, personally in my life right now i'm trying to just embrace uncertainty about most things and um, avoid thinking or saying that I have knowledge about pretty much anything uh, and just to be open and inquisitive. Uh, So I know that we're uh, getting very close to the end here. Um, I did want to ask one final thing, uh, well, two actually, um, if you don't mind. Uh, And one, you sort of touched on uh, in terms of this relationship with Alexander. And I found this so important and very moving. Um, You mentioned several times in the book that the conditions that gave rise to Nazi Germany are still with us. And um, both in Europe and in the U S And you said that um, you wrote that we all carry the horror of World War II in us. And I found it very moving at one point, as you said, you know, you're not a Nazi, Um, you find, you know, uh, the SS abhorrent, you know, and you fully admit that Alexander probably committed atrocities. But yet. And you never turn away from that, but you, you come to care about this man. And I think you ask this very important question that I think it's important, you know, on an individual, but a collective level. And it's this question of, you know, how do you love what you detest in yourself?
1: If you don't love it, uh, it will uh, destroy you. Um, You know, at first, I, I, I also wanted to understand how uh, millions of young German uh, became so fascinated by uh, Hitler, who was basically uh, not very intelligent. I mean, it, it's, it's very bizarre to explain how uh, people who were not that clever, like uh, Hitler, uh, Himmler, and, and the little group around him became so much uh, important. and. and Get the power. So I wanted to understand how a young German, basically intelligent, became a SS. And um, I, I just read a lot of social studies, and and, and 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 you find everywhere the same answer. I mean, there is a lot of uh, 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 frustration uh, coming from the first uh, war, the First World War. Uh, there is a lot of uh, There is a poverty, there is a populism, there is an economical crisis in Germany in the 20s, and uh, all those elements are making the the world in crisis. And when you are in crisis, either in the world, outside or inside you, you want easy answer. I mean, because you are fragile, you are afraid, you don't want to think too much, you just want to be calm and secure, and if someone said, oh, if you want to be secure, you need to kill all those guys because it's because of all those guys that you're not secure, Uh, or maybe to build a wall somewhere or to create, I mean, the problem is outside of you, Uh, I will take care of the problem, don't worry. Everybody wants that. So we see that every every election, uh, it, it will be soon presidential election in France in the coming months. I'm sure we will have such a person who will have the solution for everything. Um, And sometimes the people who have solution for everything are uh, dangerous, very dangerous. Fortunately, today in the US or in Europe, we have democracy for quite long and democracy is strong enough to to avoid being uh, totally destroyed by such a person. We have seen it. Uh, but in Germany in the 20s, democracy were, was very, very young, and uh, and uh, it was it was just blown away by, uh, by the, the power of Hitler who just say, uh, uh, you're frustrated, you're sad, you want to be proud of being German, you want to be, okay, we will do it again, but we need to kill those persons, we need to regain or... Uh, or strength, we need to regain our territory and we will do that, and I am the guy. And um, I think Alexander, when he entered the Hitler-Jungen in 1930s, and when, when he entered the SS in 1933, he, he didn't uh, plan to, to, to participate in Holocaust. I mean, like uh, the vast majority of Germany of Nazi, they, they didn't plan that. I mean, they didn't like Jew for uh, for many, many reasons, but there is a lot of people who don't like Jews all over the world. Unfortunately, we even see that today. I mean, how come those ideas still exist, but it, it still exists. Uh, but step by step, you know, uh, you are in a kind of uh, circle that feed himself and, and it start very, in a very acceptable situation, but step by step, you are obliged to do things that you, you. I read a lot of biography of SS and a lot of biography of people who have been in the camp as a, as a SS personnel, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's not it's not psychopath, it's not people who even. Um, uh, I mean, we have we have published a lot of book about uh, the Eichmann trial. Uh, and Eichmann was, uh, was a normal guy. Uh, it's the title of the book of, uh, of um, uh, the philosopher uh, Anna Arendt. Eichmann was not different from millions of other persons. He was just in a situation where he were, was able to develop his own pulsion, his own, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you see what I mean? And uh, And yes, uh, history can bring back that kind of person. Uh, We need to be careful about that. We need to be careful. But also, you know, it's also what's interesting me. Um, I I address in the book the question of the the social organization of the world. But I also address in the book the question of your own uh, behavior and your your own uh, awareness of this process inside you we all have wound, you, me, people who are listening. Uh, those wounds uh, come from the childhood, come from many, many, many sources. Um, sometimes those wounds can uh, develop a shadow part inside of us, made of fear, or uh, thinking, or uh, we we basically control it all over the, the life, but maybe one day something happened that and, and suddenly everything explodes and we realize that we are not free because there is one ghost inside of us that ghost build up by our denial by our uh, weakness and this ghost take control over us. Um, so this is the reason why I'm trying uh, day by day to try to bring light inside of me to investigate all the little shadow part, because I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the, the what you call it? Marionette, um, oh, yeah. puppet. Mm-hmm. What is the expression?
0: Uh, yeah. Puppet or marionette, either.
1: Yeah. Way I think will work. Yeah. Of my, my, my fear, my inner fear. Yeah. Uh, so I think we, we all are, um, you know, I, I love one, one, one writer, uh, uh, an American writer, who is a philosopher by the name of Karl Marlantis. He was a Marine during the war, the Vietnam War. Uh, he studied at Yale, and for some reason, he decided to, to go to Vietnam also as a Marine. And he, he did two, um, two, two tours there. So he had uh, the experience of fighting, but he had, he had also the brain to... Question: why he was having this experience. And, and he wrote a book, I think it's um, how the Man, Why the Men Come at, Go at War. I, I, I'm sorry for the title. Anyway, this guy said, um, you don't know how you will behave in a war zone. If you believe you will never do atrocity, you are in danger because you don't know yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe you won't do it, but maybe you will do it. Maybe you are capable of things you don't believe you could do. So we need to be um, conscious of of that, and we need to be aware that there is a a lot of light inside us, but there is also a lot of shadow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you if we don't want to, to 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 consider the shadow inside of us, we are in danger of being overwhelmed one day in our life. And it's what I'm 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 telling in the book, and it's why also I wanted to wrote this book.
0: Yeah, and it. It comes across that way in that it's a healing journey. It's a healing journey for you. And it seems like it was a healing journey for Alexander and a healing journey for the greater world.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre because um, I had the feeling of um, that I was holding a wound from Alexander. I was holding a legacy from him. Um, But I also had the feeling that he is living somewhere in the spirit world, uh, facing his own problem, like we were two different persons. But I think my work, my investigation, helps me to to dissociate inside of me, myself, from the legacy I was uh, having from him, legacy of fear, sadness, guilt, uh, suddenly I understood that that guilt, that sadness, that violence I had in me, it was not me, it was from him. So it helps me to dissociate that and to become more myself today. And I think also my work ha- helps him to, to understand uh, uh, what he did and to understand that he was overwhelmed during his entire life by this shadow um because um when he when he born uh when he was one two as all the kids he was a nice kid so you have
0: a picture of him as a child in the book yeah he he seems to be very happy and joyful
1: yeah yeah and um i i i i came across several pictures of of him when he was young i I don't say all the detail because it's uh it's an amazing story. Um, and I found one picture of him with his brother playing in the backyard of their house in, in Ploen, East Germany. And the funny thing is that I was there and I took a picture of this backyard, which is exactly the same, the same stone, the same, exactly the same, the same appearance. Like nothing has changed in, in more than nearly 90 years. And... Uh, it's strange. I mean, we live in, in the time, uh, on a timeline where past is very past and the future doesn't exist yet and we are stuck in the present. But um, this this investigation allowed me to experience that time is a kind of illusion. Sometimes I, I had the feeling that Alexander's time was there. I remember a couple of times in Germany, I was having my lunch in a in a restaurant, in in some place of Germany, and suddenly I had the feeling of, of of the time of World War Two was there, present at the same space. I don't know how to describe that very precisely, but uh, um, I think we're, you know, we're living in a very narrow, uh, narrow part of the re- reality, and. Uh, what I experience when it comes to when it comes to success, to intuition, to spirit, to the help I receive from synchronicity and everything, uh, this investigation also helps me to, to to pay more attention to the this other part of reality that are not measurable um, uh, and but that are part of a reality. Um, I'm sorry, I have a lot of things to say, but I hardly find the right word in English. I hope That's okay. you don't mind too much. <laughs> uh,
0: no, you're doing uh, perfect. And your English is way better than what my French would ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, um, uh, I know that we're nearly out of time here. Um, and I wanted to be respectful of your time. Uh, so to end, I do want to encourage people to read the book. Um, I tried to avoid getting into too many details because I do encourage people to read it. I think that uh, everyone would enjoy it. Uh, but let me ask you, uh, what's next for you?
1: Oh, uh, I'm, still, uh, I'm still working on this. Um, on this. Uh, you know, I think we live in, in a world with a, a veil mm. in front of our eyes uh, because we need... This world to to function in this world, this materialistic world, this time and space. Uh, but I I'm trying to to connect as much as I can with the soul part inside of me because it's where the answers are. It's where the peace are is. Uh, you know, during those days, uh, Afghanistan is going through a very difficult time again. The Taliban are. Taking all the country again, I received some message from people I know in Kabul who ask for help, and uh, and uh, it's it's difficult to see that uh, after 20 years of effort of money, uh, I mean we came back at exactly the same point of of violence and war, and uh, uh, I think to 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 stop being uh, overwhelmed by confusion and violence, both in the world, but also inside ourselves. We, we need to find out every day, a way to reconnect with this soul, to try to understand why we behave the way we behave, why we are uh, stressed by a situation, why um, this person in our family is making us nervous, why uh, we we don't we don't. Uh, we are not able to succeed in, in something we are trying to do. I mean, uh, there is no one God would decide that you should be gifted or you should be punished. Uh, it's only us who, who who could understand deeply who we are and what what is driving us out of our consciousness. And uh, so I'm trying every day to to work on that. Uh, the psychedelic research and the shamanic uh, technique allow to to do a very amazing exploration of this inner world that give access to the outer reality. Um, So I'm working in that direction and um, it's still bringing a lot of surprise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I want to be able to you know, there is a, I had a friend of mine who was close from a Quaker movement in the US, and he told me, you know, the Quaker have this sentence, we want to find the that of God in every person. Mm. I want to find the that of God in every person, even my worst enemy, because my worst enemy had the that of God. And if we all together, we do the same quest of trying to find the that of God, I mean, this world will be just Wonderful. It's just belong to us to do it. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah,
0: it's, it's the great work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I, I could uh, spend quite a bit more time speaking with you. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And uh, one more time, I do want to encourage everyone to uh, pick up a copy of your book. Um, and I do not think that they would regret it. One second.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that's a wrap on episode nine of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews really do help. And please consider subscribing. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel make sure you hit that notification bell so that you'll be informed when i upload new content for the time being i'll be releasing episodes every other week with the goal of releasing them every week in the near future i'm also working on creating additional video content for the youtube channel including book reviews, uh, educational videos on topics concerning spirituality, the history of religion, and the religious response to the climate crisis. If you would like to support my work in creating free and credible material on YouTube, please consider making a one-time donation via PayPal. You can find a link uh, in the video description or show notes. Your support makes this podcast possible. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace and flourish in all possible ways.